Welcome to Sister Stories, curious investigation of the lives of amazing women of the world. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma. Today's sister story is Dr. Deb Sandella. from the beginning, if you don't already get it from me, is that I was raised in rural Kansas, and at heart I'm still a country girl. (laughs) And so when I look at things, what's really important to me are people and uh, feelings and really being in the moment, and that that is where the whole service thing started, is I just have always, from the very beginning, loved interacting with people. I'm just so curious because I just love people. You know, I started out being a nurse and then I was very drawn into psychology and uh, mental health. And uh, yet all that got kind of flipped on its uh, upside down in 1995 when I was awakened in the middle of the night by my brother who said my dad had had a cardiac arrest. He was in ICU. His blood pressure wasn't holding and they had given him all the meds they could, and the nurses had called and they wanted a no resuscitate. And being a nurse at the time, it was like, of course I understood, but you know what was really weird is I got mad. I got mad that they were even asking, and I said no, which is totally out of character. And uh, as I was going back to bed knowing I would leave the next morning, Uh, there came this spontaneous image in my mind, a vision, whatever you want to call it. All of a sudden, I saw my dad walking off to the horizon, and I was there yelling and screaming at him how mad I was he was leaving because I was not ready. And then all of a sudden, he turned and he looked at me, and he had a, you know, he looked so gentle and... Uh, a way that I had never seen before because he was a feisty little Italian guy. And he said, oh, okay, I didn't know you felt that way. And when I flew to Kansas the next morning, I walked into ICU and they said, sometime in the middle of the night, your dad's blood pressure started holding. And he survived. He survived that experience and it changed my life in so many ways. First of all, you know, I I really wondered, wow, he doesn't know I want him to stay? How am I being in my life, you know? And I was very busy. I was a busy professional with children, a home, a husband, and all of that. And, you know, obviously I was in touch with my parents, but there was something that I wasn't, you know, that wasn't, relationships weren't really at the top of my list because I was was on on a path. So that really changed how I, how I ordered my priorities after that. It was a big lesson. And then professionally, it totally changed that because I was, I was in all kinds of mental health. I'd been in mental health for 20 years. And all of a sudden, it was like, wow, this experience felt more important to me than anything I had done before that. And it was like, I have to understand what happened here so that I can harness it, so I can use it to help people, because that's that's been my mission. That's what I was born to do from the beginning. And it was like, this happened for a reason. 
besides for my dad, it was really for me. So the last 20 years, that's the direction that my career has gone, is really understanding that um, experience and being able to utilize, really create something uh, that accesses that kind of power for healing. So first of all, I just had to be really curious and set aside everything I thought I knew. And I mean, you know, having a PhD, it's like I had a lot of education I needed to set aside for a while to be able to see something new here that I hadn't been taught. And so it really has been a trial and error. It's been an experiment, if anything. And, that, and so it's been 20 years. That happened 20 years ago. And it's really been a journey. And what I have come to realize is we have this ability within us that I call imagination that is so underused. Like we think of imagination, we think it as kid stuff, kindergarten, you know? Uh, but really we have this ability within us to access our emotions, to access answers through a spine, you know, through imagination in a way that is more effective in healing and in decision-making and in creating a positive future than anything I had ever learned before. And it's like, how do I get this out? Because I'm not that young. I don't even have a, you know, I'm in my late 60s now. So it's like, how do I teach this? And my husband goes, well, isn't it just you? And I said, I don't know. I just have to try teaching it and see what happens. And I learned it's very teachable because it is who we are, it's abilities we, we have. Everyone has this, no matter who we are, uh, what our uh, personality is, we have this ability. It's so much easier when we work with who we are inside, that we have this organic ability, an emotional ability uh, that we've just been overriding. We've been trying to talk ourselves out of it, but it actually has just worked so effectively. We just have been uh, not accessing it, not using it. So once we access it, turn it on, it automatically knows how to dissolve what I would call negative feelings and uh, expand positive feelings, which is of course what we all, all try to do on our own. So the way that we turn on our emotional system is by allowing feelings to be known and received constantly, moment to moment to moment. And that's the way our system works, very similar to our breathing, like the air comes in and it feeds us and nourishes us and then it flows, whatever's unnecessary is not needed flows back out. Well, that's the way our emotional system works too, that spontaneously feelings come in through the body and then we have a body experience and we have an emotional experience. And when we allow those and receive them, then they inform us in some ways and then they pass through. They like expire, so to speak, or, or, or they're exhaled, however you wanna think about it. But what, where we get into trouble is that we don't like some feelings and so we try to stop them. And so anger and sadness and grief and these kinds of things, it's like when we try to stop them, it's like creating a dam in the river of emotion that's flowing through us. And so what does the dam do? It stops the flow.
And so what happens is the feelings that we resist actually get stuck recycling through our body and through our emotions, but they become invisible now. They now go under the radar and now they're invisible. Now we don't even know that's what we're dealing with. And so it shows up as symptoms, physical symptoms or procrastination or anxiety or um, uh, headaches or stomach aches. You know, this, this is how it starts to show up. So by merely allowing our natural system, like for instance, what if we ignored our physical body sensations of like when we're hot, when we're cold, when we're close to the edge when of something, or uh, you know when it's dark or light where we can see. If we ignored that, we'd leave ourselves, we'd be in danger, we could get hurt. Our emotional system's exactly the same. That our emotions are there to keep us safe. So when we deny them, bury them, distract ourselves from them, they, uh, we're not using them and we can get into trouble. They can, you know, we can be risk, uh, at risk. So the thing that is really important is to allow, is to allow that natural reception of emotion that can be uncomfortable. And yet, if we allow it, it'll be short. It will happen and then it'll dissolve. Even just to take five minutes close your eyes and just say, I'm gonna feel as sad as I can right now. I'm just letting it happen. I'm gonna, I'm being sad. And what happens is when we don't resist, then all of a sudden the emotion starts to diffuse. It starts to dissolve and it's like, oh, well that wasn't so bad. <laughs> and so it comes in waves, emotion comes in waves. And if we receive the wave, then it dissipates and flows back out. And uh, so first of all, one of the things that's really, really important is to have some time where we like actually sit with ourselves and close our eyes. It doesn't even have to be long. Five minutes is a lot, you know, really makes a big difference where you just tune into your body and it's like, what am I experiencing in my body? Because emotion comes through the body. It's experienced first in the body. And uh, it doesn't come as a thought. It comes through the body neurologically. And so once we close our eyes and we tune in to what we're experiencing in our body and start to allow it to form words, like we, the, this is where the left brain comes in and starts to help give it words. Uh, then we start to really release, we start having a release of that charge. And so to close the eyes, to really tune into the body, to sense where in your body right now are you experiencing this tension or this anxiety or this sadness. And to, with your eyes closed, just sense that part of the body and allow you to, yourself to notice, like, how big is this? What is, you know, what is the kind of form does it have? Because this is where imagination starts to come in. So imagination starts to give the emotion in the body a form. So when, let's say, our anger becomes a red ball in your stomach, all of a sudden it has containment. It's no longer like anger is everywhere and everything and I'm just anger. It's no longer that. Now it's like, no, this is just an emotion that's passing through. It's temporary. And uh, there's something here. Anger actually is a really important emotion because it, it alerts us to there may be some place where there's danger, potential danger in our life. We don't want to ignore that. We want to receive the details.
And as we receive the details, then the charge starts to dissipate. And then pretty soon we can really look at, is there action I need to take here or was it a false alarm? Because we have a lot of false alarms where we're angry, uh, you know, and it's not really what we thought. It's so rich, we're so resourced. And there's so much information that is coming through us emotionally all the time. And if we really start to tune in and use it, then our life gets better and wiser and we make better decisions. Uh, we follow our, our inner knowing uh, without having to worry. When my husband was turning 50, like 20 years ago, uh, he wanted to make a career change. And so we ended up taking a personal sabbatical to Australia for almost a year, taking our children who were five and 13 with us and closing up our house. I closed my practice. He actually left his position. Uh, and uh, so we were over there. Well, what was fascinating is when we got there, I was like feeling so guilty that what did I do to deserve this? Because we were just over there playing, having fun. And it was like, I know I'm not any better than anybody else. So I'm trying to understand this, you know? And so I ended up, and it was really interfering with the, my experience because it was like I was distraught about it. And so what I ended up doing is I started doing everything I've been telling my psychotherapy clients to do for 20 years, but yes. <laughs> I hadn't done. Every day I would start out journaling every morning. I uh, did a, you know, a, a solo walk by myself every day. Uh, I started focusing on having fun. I started meditating. That was the first time I started meditating. So that's when I really learned the importance of closing your eyes. Even if it's for a short time, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to take a lot. You know, we build some of these things up and it stops us from engaging, but it's really very natural and very easy. And a lot of people do it. Like I have a friend who plays tennis and that's her meditation because when she is playing tennis and she plays tennis like three times a week, when she's playing tennis, her eyes on the ball. So she's interrupting all of the chatter in her mind. And so her mind clears, starts to clear. And then the important things rise to the surface. And that's what, that's all that meditation is, is a, really allowing our mind to clear, where we uh, allow the chatter to, to dissolve. Um, and so it worked, it really worked. So eventually what I, I realized through all of this, uh, the answer was that you know, it didn't have to do with deservingness. All of us deserve to have what we want, to have fun, to have these wonderful experiences. My husband and I had just simply made a decision and we acted on it. Made a choice, as Kathy would call it. You were at yes. a choice point and you made a right. choice. Exactly, exactly. And what was amazing is when we did that, watching how it influenced our friends, many of them were inspired to take a risk that they wanted to take that they hadn't been taking. One person uh, changed his job. Uh, he'd always wanted to be a teacher, but he had been a sound person with like a national news uh, agency. And he quit that and be went back to school and became a school teacher and uh, just has been influencing kids. He's such a good teacher since then. I would say that I am you and you are me. We're in this together. Thank you for listening to Sister Stories, part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. We are women who amplify our voices and are committed to inspiring people with podcasts 
on purpose. Learn more, globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.